Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin. All right, welcome to episode 18 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I'm Kevin DeShazo along with Mark Hodgkin. Mark, how are we doing? Doing great. Summer's wrapping up and uh, uh, football's in the air, it feels like, and uh, that means everybody listening to college space is starting to get really busy from now till June, (laughs) not later. (laughs) That's uh, exactly right. There is no off-season, but the the season is officially here, Um, not just football, but as you said, the start of uh, of the fall semester, the fall season is is now here. So it's an exciting time of year, especially for those of us who are a part of this industry and certainly for the fans. I'm really excited about this episode. We, we're continuing with our discussion and look at the modern AD. Uh, and we've got Dr. Pat Kraft from Temple. Uh, and I thought it was just a really fascinating interview um, that I think people are really going to enjoy. Yeah, you know, I, I had the chance to work with Pat um, when he was a senior administrator at Temple and then, then the AD at Temple uh, when I was at the American. And, you know, he's a guy who's very enthusiastic, very passionate. He's a former college football player, and, um, and it shows. Um, he's done some amazing things at Temple. We talked a little bit about Temple's kind of turnaround project and, you know, going from, um, you know, where they were a decade or two ago on the football field to where they are now is really uh, amazing. And then even some of the stuff behind the scenes that they do there, and he gets into that a little bit more, has been a real, a real interesting story. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. The guy is extremely passionate. This was actually my first interaction with him, uh, and you can almost just feel the passion coming coming through the phone uh, and talking with him. So there's there's it's not an accident that Temple has had this resurgence, um, and that he has been a big part of that. We we talk often about how leaders set the tone and they define the culture. And, and one of the things he talked about a lot in this episode is this idea of being passionate, being passionate about where you are. And he joked that his wife says wherever they go. He's all in. He drinks the Kool-Aid and he said, you know, you have to believe that because if you don't believe that your people aren't going to. So you have to bring that passion, that energy every day so that your team will get on board and and follow suit. And that's how you start to actually create change instead of saying, well, we don't have the resources. We don't have the money. Uh, I loved his phrase said, you know, we have what we have. How do we get better with what we have? And then how do we go then get, get more? But what we have is an excuse to not be great. Great. We are joined now by Dr. Pat Kraft, the athletic director at Temple. Um, Pat, thanks for joining us on the Sports Leadership Podcast. No, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Excellent. Well, why don't you uh, kind of lead off, give us a little bit of background on your uh, your career journey to this point, uh, some of the roles you've had before, and then tell us a little bit about what you're doing uh, now at Temple. Uh, okay. I'll try to give you the uh, the Cliff Notes version of, of how I got to where I am today. Um, okay. You know, so so I think as it speaks to the collegiate space, um, you know, my my passion for uh, college athletics really I know grew out of. I mean, obviously, as a college athletics fan, you know, playing sports as a kid, but really understanding it and seeing it firsthand uh, when I was playing football at Indiana. Um, not fully, I look back at that, not fully understanding the all the elements involved, you know, that go on from a donor's perspective or ticket sales, et cetera, but just appreciating the collegiate game, um, the collegiate, uh, 
you know, the, the true student athlete experience uh, that goes into it. And so uh, I always kind of had that in the back of my mind as I was going through and graduate, you know, when I finished at IU and, and went on and, and re- real quick, when I talk to classes here, I just say every experience you have, you have to gain something from it. Um, you learn, you, you, you need to learn whatever it might be, one or two nuggets that you will carry on throughout your career. And, and I was very fortunate enough, first off, to have a sister who had been in the sports business world, uh, really in its early phases that my older sister, I haven't been with the Chicago Cubs and Nike and, um, and working with, um, you know, the Jim Beam brands on their sports stuff. So I was very fortunate in that regard. But as I went through the process, I worked for um, the Arena Football League and, and um, you know, working with uh, 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 national governing bodies with the Olympic Committee and working with, you know, CBS Sports in Chicago right out of school. And so I, I, I kind of all over the board, it was not your natural progression to like some of my colleagues that, you know, get into college and staying, you know, that's just their, their route. Mine was a little quote unquote unconventional. Um, I got back into the college world. Um, I, I, you know, after the Athens Olympic Games, I knew I had to go back and get my, or just believed I needed to go back and get my master's and my, uh, well, first my master's. And so I went back to Indiana, got my master's degree. And then, then, um, you know, I had a great professor there, uh, Dr. Fielding, who said, you know, you really should pursue the PhD. And I was like, no way. I'm like, that, that's not happening. Uh, that's a little too, too, too much for me. And I think if you ask my family and my friends, my, you know, especially my parents, they would have said the same thing. But uh, nonetheless, I went through that process. And um, it really, because I felt it was going to help me if this was the goal, this was the end goal, being in administration in the collegiate space. So I, I did that. And I went on to teach, actually. And I taught for few years, both at Indiana as a PhD student at Loyola University of Chicago in their business school, and then had the good fortune to get into Indiana and the senior staff um, with Fred Glass and Scott Dolson. And, and then, as they say, I went, and then I went to Loyola and Loyola to Temple. And, and uh, so anyway, so real quick, that was kind of how it went. But I do think that PhD process really helped me, helped me get back into the, um, the university setting and um, really kind of prepared me for, for what we face every day here. Uh, but all of those steps helped me take on the challenges and, you know, really the highs and lows of our job that we face, you know, every day. That's really good. And, and you know, you've been at Temple now as, the, as a senior AD for a couple of years, going into your third year right now. How has the role of the AD changed? And not just in your time as an AD, but just in general over the last five years and what um, and as you see the, the role changing over the next five to 10 years, how, how do you see that role changing? Well, I can't really speak to it, you know, before I was ever in the, the quote unquote chair, right? Everyone's like, oh, once you get in that chair. But I, you know, I, I've been, you know, once again, I've been fortunate enough to, to get to know a lot of um, sitting ADs for a long time that have been sitting there for a long time. I've, I've seen it at, I was worked very, very closely with Fred in Indiana and Grace, um, who's now the AD of Penn at Loyola. And so, um, I don't want to say, I, I can't really talk, like I said, how it changed there, but I do, it's evolving, right? So there's more scrutiny on what's going on. I think that's, that's not a bad thing. I think there's more, obviously media has played a big role in it and, and to the attention that's put on. Um, I think it's great that student athletes are having more of a say. I don't know if, you know, back when I was playing now, 18 years ago, whatever, it, I, we didn't really even, like, we didn't even think about stuff that's being discussed now. Uh, so, you know, I, I can, in the last five years, there has been a major kind of focus on, on student athlete and student athlete experience, which is wonderful. And I think uh, people are, are sometimes less patient in certain situations and, and um, you know, the NCAA in, in, in college sports um, has, is walking up to a lot of different 
challenges that we all know. And I think every day is different. And um, our, our student athletes are becoming really, really aware of their surroundings, which is wonderful. And we, we really promote that here. Uh, we want them to know what's going on. We want to be very transparent with them. We want to provide them access to everything they can. Uh, but I just think there's a lot of attention on college sports. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a major player in the sports space. And so um, where we'll be five years from now, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know, right? We, we kind of hear a template like every day, just take a look at today and then what's the next step and just do the best we can with the sole focus on what is best for the student athletes themselves and how can we help them get better, which in turn helps the program get better. But, you know, it'd be, it'd be silly for me to comment before I was, <laughs> before I was in there because the challenges I'm sure were, were just as great back then, you know, back 10, 15, 20 years ago, I just think there's so, it's so big college sports now. Um, I think that's changed it a bit. Yeah. You mentioned kind of the, the, the more scrutiny, the more media attention, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is social media. I know that's something you guys have really done a great job investing in at Temple. Talk a little bit about the opportunities you see in those kind of that, that change of um, kind of our landscape. Well, I, yeah, to be very candid, I think all of it is is our opportunities. I think, you know, with, with change comes great opportunity to, to make it better, make it work for you. I, I, you know, so I don't, I'm really not a believer and I'm not really, I don't want to be, I'm not really be into being negative. I'm not, I think that any change that comes our way, we have to adapt, adjust and and move forward. And I think it's a really good thing. And, And really partly because it's, it's pro, you know, student athlete, you know, it's getting more and more pro student athlete, which is what way it should be. And, and I think with social media and with the enhancements in media, which we've really gone really all in on our digital, we've, you know, we've got a digital team of four with, you know, uh, interns and we've got a, we're hiring two more social media folks. I mean, we're really focusing on that. It's allowing us to do, um, first off, we can promote all of our sports, not just the football and the men's and women's basketball. Um, it allows us to really give equal attention to our fencing program that's, you know, wins conference championships every year. It allows us to use the platform of football, but brings people to, brings their attention to, to, to us. But then we can actually go and, and then they, they see the soccer team's about to start this week and, you know, the field hockey team. And so it helps us control our narrative for the most part. And, um, but it gives us marketing and, and, uh, branding, which I'm all, all about opportunities. And then it also allows us to tell our story directly. And so with our digital team, who's, uh, you know, we have, uh, Kevin Cobb who runs our, our video. They're, they're amazing, do amazing work. Um, you know, we can do the one-off interviews and we can, you know, we have great, you know, these great stories here that need to be told. And they're not just our football players. It's our women's soccer players. And so we have the ability to really tell that story, which is what, why the, the media piece is really, it's really a positive. It is an opportunity. I see it as really positive. I'm going to need you to come with me to every campus that I visit when I have these conversations with. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's exactly it. There, yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are some frustrations that come up with that. But more, more than anything, there are unique opportunities, more than we've ever had when it comes to telling our own story. Um, and again, without just focusing on, on a football or, or basketball, we, we, have, we have two, three, 400, 500 student athletes, depending on the size of your program. I mean, that's how many stories you have. Then you take into account staff, um, both administrative and coaching. There's so many stories being told within a, that should be told within a department. And now we have the chance to do that. So I love it. Um, 
we, Sports Illustrated just came out with a, with a really interesting story yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw it. It was Bruce Feldman looking at you know, who are the best ADs in the industry according to the media and then according to athletic directors, and then looking at the most important AD criteria, uh, both, again, from the media's perspective and according to ADs. From, sitting from your chair, what do you think is the most important criteria, most important key skill uh, for the modern athletic director? That's a really good question. Uh, I, I think every day is different, but I, I personally, and I can, once again, I'm only going to speak for myself. I think you need to be very patient. Um, and sometimes I lack that. Uh, but I, you know, I think that's really, really important. You need to be patient. Um, you've got to, I really believe in being creative and finding new ways. You know, you've got to find new ways to generate revenue. You've got to find new ways um, to, you know, uh, deal with all different situations, whether it's on campus or off campus or, uh, so I think creativity is a real big one. I think you need to be, um, you have to be a strong leader. Uh, you have to be able to make decisions. Um, and, and then in being a strong leader, bringing a staff that you really trust, that's a real big thing for me. So you have to have a really good staff. You have to go into a really good situation. I think when you, you take opportunities, I, I'm, I'm blessed with an, a, a great president, a board, um, that really understands where, what we're trying to accomplish and where we're going. Um, you know, we have a great relationship with our faculty here and our faculty athletics. So it's kind of a family. I really preach family here. And so I think that's a major part of it. And then at the other, at the end of the day, really what I believe is you have to be passionate. So when I get up, I mean, these student athletes are very, very smart. They're educated. They've been, you know, their whole lives, everyone's been talking them up and talking about if you're not genuine, they will, they will smell that out. And I think you have to be very passionate about the job you're in and what you're doing and what you believe in. And I think that helps perpetuate a culture of success. You may not be winning at a clip that you really want to be at that point, but are you building to that? And so passion to me has always been a major factor for, you know, my, my wife always says, wherever we are, you are like drinking the Kool-Aid right away and we're going to be the best. And I had that instant chip on my shoulder, like, no, we are better than them. And here's how we're going to do it. And so passion to me, I think, resonates at all levels. And it, no matter if you're talking to a, the, the dean of the business school or the dean of, uh, uh, of the art school or you're talking to a walk-on volleyball player, if you're passionate about the right things and doing it the right way and being the best you can be and being great, as we talk about here, that resonates. So I know I listed a couple, but I think it's all of those things for me really end up bleeding down into your staff and your staff then you know, has that ability to do really good work, has a little bit of a, a swagger about themselves and says, yeah, you know what, why are we, we, we got to get better. Cause it's not just the coaches, you know, coaches are held accountable, of course, but, but what are we doing to provide the coaches uh, the resources that they need to, to, to be successful. And, and that goes down to sports medicine, that goes to marketing, that goes to, you know, we talk about social media and it goes into recruiting all these things. We all play a part in it. And so as a, as an AD, I think you have to instill each of those uh, along the way. Yeah, I love, I love what you said about the passion. The, you know, that's one thing you can't control. You can't always control exactly how things go on the field. Right. And, and I worked with Pat um, when I was at the American, and he was at Temple. And uh, it's, it's obvious the passion you bring to the job and uh, bring to the sidelines. And, I, you know, I think it's a great point. <laughs> Student athletes will know that that's, you know, they'll, they'll see that and they'll appreciate that. And it's, it's, a, it's a big part of building a culture. And the kind of the culture at, at Temple um, is really one of the maybe under – underappreciated stories nationally in college um, to think of where they were, you know, 15 or 20 years ago and then winning football champion, being in the football championship game the last two years in their conference and uh, winning it last year. is just, just outstanding. How do you, 
how do you go about nailing down that culture and then and then continue to kind of scale it scale it up and and keep it continuing well it, it, um you've got it you have to believe in it you have to you have to live it you have to set the expectations at that high level and you've got to bring people along and you've got to get people on board who understand and say, no, this is what we're about. When, you know, when I first got here, I'd be in meetings and people would laugh about the game day experience here at Temple. And, and I would talk about, we're going to be Penn state. And this was before we even had Penn state, you know, there was, this was two years before we had actually, we, we beat them and it was, you know, 74 years in, in the making. And, but you have to go in and say, this is who we are. We have everything we need. Now we've got to go fix a bunch of stuff. But you, when you have conviction and people believe in you and they know that, well, he's not messing around, this is not just talk, um, then people, you really find out fast who's going to be on that, that train. And I think, and I believe, and I know with our staff now, once again, I'm blessed with a great institutional support team, but I'm really, I have a great group of, of, of um, administrators that work with me that really believe in that. And so it all gets down and it keeps seeping down. And I'm really cognizant of, of how we phrase things and how we talk about the way we, we go about it in staff meetings. And, and it's not, you know, we talk about, yeah, there's things we just don't have the money that other people have. And we don't have, we have beautiful facilities for what we have. And that's great. But I don't want us to, no one can complain. Don't complain. We could, we could talk about how we try to fix it, but let's look at the, what's coming up. What's, what is the next thing for us? How can we get better with what we have? And I think that mindset has really set the course for why we've been successful, not only in the, on the field, but our academics, we, we break records academically now every year. And it's, it's all the way to our academic staff. They're led by, you know, Justin Miller, who, who, who absolutely attacks academics the same way we attack competition, the same way we attack the community. And so it's a comprehensive program. So you, you, I believe we have that culture. Now, here's the kicker. You, have to, you can never get complacent with it. And so this year, this summer in particular, know we're coming off a conference championship football, 10 win seasons back to back. And, you know, our basketball program's coming back to, to where women's basketball won. And we've had all these great successes throughout the course of, of the last three years. But I, I'm real cognizant of if people are like, well, we're great. Like, in my eyes, we still haven't proved anything. And so we still need to keep working. We still got to get, there's so much ahead of us. And so people around our office understand that. They're like, okay, this was great, but, but we're, we're just laying the foundation to where we're going to end up and where we're going to be because we have so much in front of us. And I think you have to be on that constantly. And I always say, wait, 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 let's not take a step back. We turn the page and we move forward and, and we move forward and how we're going to get better and better and better and better. And, and, um, so I do think that has to come from the top because if it's not there, then it's real easy for people to hide and you can hide in the seams and you can be in the gray. No, we're very black and white here. Let's go be great, period. <laughs> and, and that's, that, that's it. I love it. No, that's good. And, and you know, I love what you said. We, we're really intentional about how we phrase things and how we talk about things. And that's such a huge point because one of our things when we're talking about creating championship culture within, within teams, within businesses, is this idea of having a common language. Um, where, where certain phrases mean the same thing to the same people in the same place. And, we, and you're re- repeating those all the time. So that language sets in, gets into the water stream, and people start to live those things, not just, not just say those things or think about those things, but actually those, those cause us to have certain actions. So I think that's, that's really good. With that, what do you think is the biggest challenge as a, as a leader, as a leader in college athletics? What is, what is the biggest challenge that, you've, that you face on a daily basis? 
Well, I think there's many. I, I think you know we all have unique challenges in these in these roles. You know, I, you know, fin- finances are real. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, finances are a challenge, and um, you know, we're, we're, we we believe and we we will go out and compete with our peers, you know, in the Big Ten and the SEC, and and we've beaten the SEC in football, and we've beaten the Big Ten in football, and you know, basketball, we go toe to toe with everybody, and so, but it's 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 all the way down the line of our, all of our sports and what we can provide from a, a recruiting perspective and from a food and nutrition standpoint. And um, so, I mean, you know, financially that, that, that takes up a lot of time, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, I, I don't want our, we are not, you know, we got everything we need, but you know, I, I would love to be able to give more. I'd love to be able to continue to give more. And so what that does is it's, it puts a, a lot of pressure on our developments and how we can, you know, how we provide, how we go out and raise money. Um, so, so the finances are a challenge. I think in the ever-changing landscape, you just don't know. You don't know what tomorrow brings, right? Um, and um, you know, we try to educate and, and keep our athletes, um, you know, up to speed on on all that surrounds them um, in this world. And and I try to educate, but you know, every, you know, you never know when you're going to get a phone call and that you're like, oh no, you know, that whether, you know, uh, I remember getting a phone call that uh, that. Trey and our basketball team was in a car accident. And, you know, sometimes I think what, what people lose is these, these are 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, you know, young men and women, and they're, they're growing into becoming these phenomenal people. And, and so everyone sees the great play, right? They see the Hassan Reddick's uh, get drafted in the 13th, 13th pick in the end. But Hassan is an incredible person. And our jobs are vocations to take, take these young men and women, provide them an education, give them an opportunity to be great after. If they have a good fortune, we had three players drafted. We had a player drafted in the MLS, the WNBA, and the, and the NFL, three, three uh, athlete uh, groups. And uh, that's phenomenal. But the rest of our players, our, our student athletes, are going on for jobs and being successful. And so I think you have to – you can't lose sight of that piece. And I think – it's always constantly in, in our, okay, how do we get better? How do we get better? And then you got to correlate that. How are we going to pay for it? <laughs> how can we pay for it? Because I want to do X, but I can afford Y. So let's make sure Y looks like X. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of those, those challenges that just aren't, are, it's, those are real challenges. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, it's important to be kind of realistic about that and, and, and right. kind of uh, understand where, where you can make the most impact and things like that. It makes, makes a lot of sense. Are there EDs out there, you know, uh, Kevin mentioned the, the Bruce Feldman piece in Sports Illustrated about kind of the most admired from athletics directors and the media. Are there ones that either you've worked with um, directly, indirectly? Are there ones that you seek out for advice? Are there ones you just kind of admire from afar? But who are some of the ADs that you, in the space that you really admire and, and why? Well, I will say this. So you talk about being, in, you know, being an AD and, and, and I, I, I really, and this is not just tongue in cheek. I really do admire all, all of the ADs. I think there's so many inherent challenges that we all face and whatever. And I think it's a, it's a, um, sometimes a thankless job. So I, I really look at it and, 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 you know, being involved in NACTA and, and, um, uh, a lead one and all these things. So I, I'm very fortunate to go out and meet and I love to learn the PhD in me. I love to sit down and talk to all the ADs across the country. So, you know, to say, oh, one's doing a great job there. And another is, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say that. I think there's, so there's so much good work that you try to grab and use across the country. And, um, so, so that, that's there, I, you know, I, um, you know, Fred at Indiana had his style and I use some of the things that Fred uses and you learn. And I take some of the stuff that grace, you know, when we were together at Loyola and, and some of the, uh, my colleagues that I'm close with, you know, for me and Mark, you probably, you know, you could, 
you know, you could speak to this too. I really, really, we have a really incredible group of ADs in the American and we're very close. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we really lean on each other quite a bit and whether it's a, Hey, you know, keep your head up or whatever, you know, as things go, you know, gotcha or a simple joke or something in our meetings. But I really, I do think as a group, whether it's Rick at SMU, Mark, Troy, Danny, Dave up in Connecticut or Hunter or Tom, there's so many different experiences and we're all going through things together. So that group as a whole, really, I, I always feel invigorate when I get with them, right? Like I feel really good like that, that whenever you get in, because we're going through the same challenges, but we can learn and bounce all, things off. You're like, okay, what I'm going through is, is the same thing that he's dealing with. And so I, I, I really do think, you know, we, uh, the conference guys are, are, are really, that's a strong group uh, for me, especially. I mean, I really appreciate uh, what they're, what they're, you know, our, our interaction as a whole. Yeah, it is an impressive group, and I hope we have some more of them um, join us as well. But you know, it's and it's evident by where some of the ones who've been in that group very recently have gone. I mean, whether it's Todd right. going to Oregon State and ending up at Georgia Tech, or Ward going out to Michigan, or Mac Rhodes doing doing great things. Uh, yeah, right, I completely agree with you. And Pat, we talked about creating that culture and, and trying to change culture. And when you walk in, you've got to have the energy because leaders set the tone um, and that, and that seeps down into every part of the team, every part of an organization. One thing that I've noticed in, in my time kind of being around the college athletic space is just the amount of turnover uh, in this industry. People are constantly moving into different departments and different programs, um, which is not an inherently bad thing, but talk about culture. How do you, how do you maintain a consistent culture with, with so much turnover? And then when you're bringing in new people, how do you get them ingrained and on board into the new culture? The hiring, hiring role is such a crucial piece as it relates to culture. How do you do that well? Yeah, that's a really good question, especially where in a place like uh, where we are, where, you know, I believe we're, we're doing really, really good work. And I'm always, you know, fighting to keep staff because other schools with, with far more money can come in and, and, and take one of my, uh, you know, one of my, Work, my, one of my staff and and I don't blame anybody in that process it's a great opportunity and I always tell our people to interview and go and give it a best shot and, and that's what this is for to go to where you want to be but you know we've had the good fortune of a lot of people deciding at the end of the day you know what I'm gonna stay here so that's a good thing that to me resonates and it says okay we've, we're, we're moving in the right direction I empower our staff to do their job I'm not gonna you know be over their shoulders. So I think that helps culture that they know their voice matters in our meetings all the way down to our GAs. If you've got a great idea, let's go use it. Let's run with it. But turnover becomes, it becomes a challenge, but I look at it as an opportunity. So we, what, what you look at when you're, you're hiring people, you're hiring people that fit what you want. And you want people that have been through the, 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 the things that need them to be successful, but they fit the culture. They're going to work as hard as we want them to work. They're going to, they get what we're trying to accomplish. And you know, I can go with like our football coach, right? That's just, you know, Matt goes on to Baylor, which is great. And I'm happy. I was ecstatic for him and his family. And it's another step for him. But Matt had built an incredible culture down in that building. So going through that search, you know, I, you know, you have to put blinders on and go, wait, I need to get the, the person that knows who we are and what we're going to be, because that's not broke down there. <laughs> I mean, we won 10 games back to back, been ranked in the top 25. So when you talk about turnover, it happens but you go and find, and we found a, 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 an incredible person in Coach Collins and Jeff that he understands who we are, what we're about, and it's been very seamless. And you hope that's always the case. And I think it, you really have to trust 
the process of hiring people. And, uh, you know, we're very, we've been very fortunate. A lot of people in our business know what we're doing and how we go about it. Um, and so we've been lucky that when we have to hire new, new individuals and, and people to come in, they do that. We also, I like to train people. And then if you're, if the, if it works out that they can step up to the plate and take that, you know, elevated role, um, that, that's a, that's the best case scenario. Right. And then you just keep the pipeline going the people who understand what we need and what it looks like and what it feels like, but that doesn't always work that way. Yeah, absolutely. If, you know, if some people are listening now and maybe they're um, kind of just starting their careers or in their, the early portions of their careers, what would you tell people who maybe aspire or think they aspire to being an athletics director? What are the skills you would tell them to develop and, and work on, you know, in the early to middle portions of their career to kind of set them up the best way possible? Um, I, I really believe that you have to, you have to communicate really well. You have to be a jack of all trades. You've got to be able to do a lot of different things. So as you go through, try to be, be at least capable of knowing what's going on in compliance, right? Go down to the compliance office and talk to them and say, okay, well, I don't, what's all this stuff I'm hearing about this rule or that rule? Understand the, the, the revenue generation piece because that's, that's as important as any. Talk to the development office and understand development. And, you know, and if you're a development officer, go in and listen and see what, what game day is like on the operations side. Um, so I think that would be one of the things you really got to – and I've, once again, I've been lucky to be involved in all of those prior to being in this role. Uh, all, you know, understanding each of those areas because every day it's okay. Next meetings develop, boom, we're on to, we're talking about compliance. Then I'm talking about academics and, you know, five meetings will have five different, you know, areas. And so I think that's really good. I think communication is really, really important. And I think it's once again, going back to really believing in what you're doing, being passionate about where where, where you are and being really, really good at where you are, being the best you and not being fake, not just be you. And then the rest will take care of itself. The, the, you know, I, I was fortunate that Scott Dolson in Indiana, he and I had become friends. And I, I, I really believe he knew my work ethic. And, and so, you know, we had a conversation before I went there. And, hey, this is a good spot. Those things happen to people who are working really, really hard and are, are, are doing it the right way. And so I think that, that all those things add up to getting you to where you need to be. You know, a lot of our conversations are with younger uh, administrators, mid-level administrators, and, and sometimes they have this, this opinion, well, I'm not the guy, I'm not the girl, I'm not the head of the department, whether that's the actual AD or um, I'm, not, I'm not over marketing or I'm not over compliance or development. So leadership is not my thing. Uh, so, and some of them use that as, as an excuse right, to not speak up, to not take ownership. But what, what's your advice for those who, who do want to be an AD at some point or be a senior level leader on learning to lead wherever you are in an organization? That's just it. You can lead anywhere, you, and you don't have to be a vocal leader. You don't have to be, you don't have to be that person that what you perceive, oh, this leader is great because he gets up and he, no, be, be lead by example at the very least. Be very good at what you do. Work the extra time. Work, do, go the extra mile. Um, be passionate about what you're doing. That resonates because people are there like, oh, my goodness, that guy works. That, 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 that's a worker. She's, she's really good. Uh, we've all been environments where you can see who the really the superstars are. And, and what I would say is you're right. Sometimes I believe that is an excuse. I think people are saying, well, I just can't, I'm not in a role. No, 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 no. We're all in a role to lead. It's just a matter of what, where is it? Where's the place for it? And I think whether you're overseeing interns, whether you're overseeing nobody, do your thing, do your part and seek out more opportunities to be great. And I think that will help. I know that will resonate 
to the people around you, to to the to the powers in 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 the building and in in uh, in your office. You know, I, I think you got to go and seek it out. It's never going to come to you. I'm just, I mean, it rarely is is it ever just going to fall in your lap. It, it ends up being the person who's working really hard, who's doing all the right things, who gets who gets noticed. It's like, hey, well, what, could you do this? Absolutely, I'll do it. I don't know what it is, but I'll do it. And I think that that's that would be my recommendation: just keep working. Don't you can't you'll get frustrated, get over it, move on, and let's keep you know keep keep moving forward. And uh, Pat, thanks again for for joining us. I got one more question for you, and I know you probably did sure. a lot of uh, a lot of reading when you were getting your um, your master's and your PhD. Is is reading still kind of a part of what you do to develop your? Do you have time for it? And if if so, do you have any books that? Uh, you would recommend to people that may have been particularly impactful for you as, as you've developed your career? Yeah, you know, I, I do, I really, you know, and honestly, the part of the PhD process really brought that out of reading, and I would recommend it to everybody. I think you can't read enough, and, and it's, and reading things that can help you advance, and sometimes, you know, I'm not, a, so personally, I'm not a big, I don't read, I don't want to read anything that doesn't really help me move forward, so, you know, uh, Good sure. to Great is a perfect example. Love that book. A lot of things we do there is fantastic. Right now, one of the books that is like, if you ask me on the road, in my bag, it's beat up. It's I always go to it. Is the be the first believer, um, Ed Deutschlander and Rich Campy. Uh, Ed has become a good friend. I actually sought him out. He came in and and talked to our staff. It just taught. It's really a great read about leadership, about believing in what you're doing. Um, and so I go back to that all the time. Um, a lot of the things that my staff, when he came and talked, like, ah, we see where you're getting it from. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not creating this out of my head. I think that right now I'm reading the, um, the one thing um, by Gary Keller and Jay, uh, I don't even know how to say Jay, Jay Papson's uh, name, but the one thing, the surprising simple truth uh, behind extraordinary results, it's sitting here on my desk. That's why I'm reading the title. Uh, but, you know, on the road, when I get, you know, we travel, I, I do, I try to read as much as I can um, because I think it's good to kind of, it, it always centers you, you know, you get, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. That's good. And that's good. And so I think you can always, once again, learn from, from that. But yeah, be the first believer. I give it to the staff here. Um, it's just a really, really good book. And it's, it's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So that, that, those, that's what I'm going through right now. Um, we'll see what, what uh, halfway through the football season looks like, what the next book will be. <laughs> All right. So that was Pat Kraft. And what a fun interview again, as we promised uh, beforehand, just full of passion, full of energy, um, and a lot of really good insight for both those who are in the AD chair and those who want to be in the AD chair. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting too. We always like to hear about where people came from to, to get to the AD chair. I think some people have this, this image of the exact route, what that means when you're 25, 30, 35, and where you need to be. And, you know, he's somebody who's a young AD. He's at a uh, big football school, Division One school, and um, he did not have the maybe traditional uh, route to the chair. You know, he's got a doctorate. He's done some teaching, you know, some, a somewhat unconventional thing, but something that I think uh, was pretty clear how he described it has been a, been a value to him. Yeah, I think maybe my one of my biggest takeaways from this conversation with him uh, is the value of perspective and how you see a situation is how you're going to lead in a situation, how you're going to treat a situation. I love that he talked almost in everything. He sees it as an opportunity, whether it's the changing media landscape that many ADs can see as a frustration, as a challenge, as an annoyance. He says, man, that's great. That's an opportunity. We don't have enough resources. Great. Well, we can be awesome where we are 
and that gives us an opportunity to go get more. But everything is all about perspective. Um, and then again, as I mentioned earlier, if you show up with the right perspective and you challenge people, they will rise up to that challenge. I think people um, rise up to the level of our expectations. And you know, he said early on, you come in, you believe in the culture, and you have to set high expectations, and then you bring people along um, and get them to believe in those same expectations and pursue that. Yeah, I mean, he said no one can complain, you know, and I think uh, Temple's a pretty good embodiment of that. I mean, we we talked about a little bit in the open and the interview about kind of where they've been and, and not to say um, it hasn't been the work of a lot of different people being football coaches, administrators, or, um, you know, other people on the staff, but that's a place where you do have all the built-in um, obstacles that you could say haven't, haven't been successful in a hundred years in football, haven't sold out our stadium, haven't, um, you know, been a football school or haven't, um, you know, don't, can't compete with uh, other people who are in the area or in their conference. And, you know, they were, they were actually kicked out of the Big East conference, um, you know, a dozen or 15 years ago or so. And then I was at the conference when we brought them back in and uh, you know, that's, that doesn't happen. If you look around at the way realignment works, that's a pretty, they had all the excuses in the world to do it. And I think what he needs to do to, to kind of keep that momentum going, you know, with, with coach rule now at Baylor and, and some of the other changes they've had, you know, it, it's that consistent language, that consistent messaging and this idea that we're not going to make excuses. We're going to, we're going to see this thing through and, and uh, you're either on or, you know, we need to find somebody else to get in your seat. Yeah, that's exactly it. And he mentioned that, you know, if you set the expectations and if you, if you believe in what you're saying, if you've got conviction um, and if they trust you, you'll quickly find out who, who's on and who's out. Uh, and so if, if they're in, let's go, let's run. Um, if they're out, that's okay. And he talked about this, this issue of turnover and, you know, celebrating when that's a good thing. And as you mentioned, coach rule going to Baylor, he's like, I was thrilled for him. That's great for him. It got him to the next level. Um, but also, again, seeing that as an opportunity for Temple um, and realizing and not panicking and saying, oh, no, we just lost this coach who helped us turn everything around, got us back on the national stage. I say, OK, well, he he built a really great culture here. Well, we're now we have players being drafted in the NFL um, along with WNBA and MLS. But football have this great culture. Well, we don't need to bring someone who's going to blow that up. We need to make sure we, we get someone who can build on that culture and continue that that success. It was really fun to listen to him. Um, and as you said, they they have every reason to to make excuses and to just show up because they have to. But he is leading that charge of saying, basically, who says we can't? <laughs> right? Who says we can't win football conference championships? Who says we can't win basketball championships? And if you don't believe it, that's all right. Get out. Because we, we want people on board who believe in the staff, the people next to them, who believe in the student athletes. And as he said, wants to perpetuate a culture of success. So I thought it was a really fun interview that I think people – uh, we'll get a lot out of. Absolutely. Another good conversation in the series we're doing um, about the modern AD. I think, um, you know, his stories maybe not as um, out there as some, but uh, I think very valuable for everybody who's listening. So appreciate everybody downloading episode 18 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. Um, if you're enjoying it, really appreciate um, any reviews, ratings, uh, wherever you listen to, to podcasts. Please share this with your team, share this with your staff. Hit us up on social media anytime. anytime. Kevin and I are very available there at Kevin DeShazo and at Mark underscore Hodgkin. And again, for Kevin DeShazo, I'm Mark Hodgkin. Thank you for listening.